0: Pokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True. This is a show where we learn something new every week, and this week we're getting into a really fun and nerdy topic. But before we do, I want to thank everyone who has reviewed the podcast on iTunes. Here's one from Miguel. He says, I'm loving the depth of understanding that is presented, the fun approach, even with heavier topics, and it's simply put together so well. Thank you so much, Miguel. And from Tiffany, she said, entertaining and informative makes for a fun commute. So thank you to you as well. Thanks to all of you. Please keep those reviews rolling in because it helps Apple suggest this podcast to more people when you do that. Now, let's get this week's topic from Josh.
1: Michael, what's going on, man? Listen, this is Josh from Indianapolis, Indiana, home of the Indianapolis Motor
0: Speedway. Hey, I was wondering if you've ever done an episode about the weapons in Star Wars. Now, I had heard that Han Solo's blaster was actually based off of a Nazi handgun. I don't know if that's true, but can you confirm that for me? Thanks, dude. This is pretty interesting, and I have some knowledge about this, which I'll get into in a bit. But first, there's a famous scene in episode four of Star Wars. This was the first Star Wars movie, A New Hope. Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and the two droids have left the cantina at Mos Eisley Spaceport, and we see Han Solo back in the cantina, greeted by a bounty hunter named Greedo. The two have words, Greedo threatens Han, and then Han's blaster shot kills Greedo, and he leaves the bar. The age-old question in Star Wars nerd circles was, ...who shot first, and it mattered because this is the first time we meet this man who's a main character... ...and we should know whether or not he would shoot someone without being shot at. And the controversy got fueled even more when the re-release of the film in 1997 edited in... ...Greedo shooting Han first and missing, and then they had to later edit it again to make the two shots more simultaneous. George Lucas has said that the original storyboard had Greedo shooting first and missing... But we're not here to talk about who shot first, even though it was Han, and the original script says it was Han. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about what Han was shooting. So bookmark that for a second. I have an older friend whose father fought in World War II, and he showed me this gun, a German Mauser C96. His father got it off of a German, and it had a big red number 9 inscribed into the grip. What was interesting about this gun was that it didn't look like the normal handgun. The middle section of it was big and square, and it had a wooden carrying case that doubled as a shoulder stock. You could take the gun out of the case, close the lid, and attach the case to the back of the gun as a a brace. And I know you might not be people who are into guns, but this thing has a long history. If you look up the origin of the Mauser C96, it's much older than I thought it was. It was designed by Joseph, Fidel, and Friedrich Fiederlein, no, Fiederlein, it's three German brothers or something. Uh, Anyway, it was sold to governments, civilians, and military officers. It predates the First World War. It goes back to 1896, and it was actually used in the Boer Wars. For a time, it was a very popular gun in the British military, but it became primarily used by Germans in the First World War. Some German soldiers used them in World War II, So yes, it was actually a gun used by Nazis. It's been released in versions that fire 7.3mm and later 9mm, and its most well-known nickname was the Broom Handle because of the rounded grip that resembles the end of a broomstick. It's also been known in Ireland as the Peter the Painter from its use in the Easter Rebellion and the Irish Civil War. Even Winston Churchill used a C-96 Broom Handle in the 1898 Battle of Umdurman. The gun was even the standard issue for police in China for a time. It's a really strange looking gun. Some of them used a magazine that would feed from underneath and some were clip fed from the top. There were dozens of variants, which is a thing that happens when a firearm is in use by militaries for such a long time. Everyone wants their own custom version of the gun. The Mauser company produced about a million of these guns from 1896 all the way up to 1937. It was a very popular gun, even though it's not commonly seen today. Now we're going to jump forward in time 40 years to the creation of the Star Wars Blaster. But first, let me tell you about how I am having a blast doing online virtual presentations. Oh, man. That was a horrible one, but I had to shoot my shot. You did not see that ad coming. Oh, okay, that's enough. That was awful. We're going to geek out on Star Wars here in a second. But first, let me tell you about a partner of this show. I get asked weekly about how I'm doing my online presentations. And I've partnered with this company, Virtual Presenter Course, that can help you learn how to do awesome online presentations. Whether you're presenting to your company, you're having Zoom meetings with you and your friends, you're doing shows professionally like I am on on Zoom or on the Internet virtual presenter course teaches you everything you need to know from sound to graphics to transitions all of that stuff and you don't even have to be tech savvy to understand their instructions it'll help you turn your presentations into a virtual broadcast studio i'm going to give you 20 percent off of your order go to virtualpresentercourse.com 30 or use the link in the show notes I promise you'll like what you see. It's virtualpresentercourse.com slash 30, and you too can be a world-class presenter. And this week on Joke Story Trick Live, it's the series finale, the final show. Last week's show was amazing with Brian Brushwood, but this Tuesday, I have Justin Willman, star of Magic for Humans on Netflix, former host of Cupcake Wars on the Food Channel, He'll be on to share a story with us. So tune in Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. You can watch on Twitch, Facebook, or YouTube. To get access to that, go to JokeStoryTrick.com. One of my favorite jackets that I own is called the Tropiformer. And it's made by Scotty Vest. It's a lightweight jacket where, the, this is the cool part, the shoulders and the arms, like, snap on with magnets. They just, like instantly clip on and easily come off and so it's a great travel jacket because it even folds into its own little pouch and the other day i saw a picture of steve wozniak wearing this very jacket the Trapaformer. you know like the the co-founder of apple pretty great uh i've got a few scotty vest pieces i love them and so i'm excited that they've partnered with me in this show i'm gonna get you 15 percent off of your order of scotty any scotty vest clothing whether it's like a, a fleece that has a million pockets in it or, you know, some nice, like, pants. Even, even their underwear has pockets, which is I think is pretty awesome. It's scottyvest.com. Put in the promo code TELLME, T-E-L-L-M-E, all one word, for 15% off of your order. scottyvest.com, promo code TELLME. Let's get back to the show. It's 1977, and George Lucas is creating this space film. The budget was only 11 million dollars, which was not a lot for a movie of its scope. That'd be about 50 million dollars in today's money. So for a movie set in space, on several planets, on starships, and with special effects, aliens, and just about every one of those characters needing a weapon, they were looking to cut corners anywhere they could. Enter Baptie & Co. Baptie was the company that was a professional weapons and prop supplier to films, and they were given the charge of creating these space-age weapons from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, many of the weapons were just modified from existing weapons. For example, the blaster rifles carried by stormtroopers were modified from the Mk4 L2A3 machine gun. This was a British World War II submachine gun, but to the Empire, they were the Imperial Blastech E11 blaster. And when it comes to our beloved Han Solo, there's some character development to consider. Han is a cowboy. He's rough and tough. I mean, this is the guy that shot first, right? He's a smuggler, a ruffian, and the kind of guy that you pick up in a spaceport on Mos Eisley and pay good money to smuggle you to Alderaan. So when choosing his weapon, they looked for something that a guy like that would carry. When you think about it, Han's character is sort of a space version of Clint Eastwood from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. There was a time in the Old West in which cowboys started being overrun by a newfangled world with new technology and trains and just a faster-moving world, and that's Han Solo. He's an old-fashioned space smuggler. If he were in the 20th century America, he'd be sporting a six-shooter. The gun that Solo carries is called the BlasTech DL-44 Blaster Pistol. This is what it's called in the fictional Star Wars universe. It's said to be a standard weapon of both military and civilians in the galaxy and fires, quote, cohesive bursts of light-based energy called bolts. It's capable of piercing stormtrooper armor, and it's accurate, but said to overheat quickly. They appear throughout the Star Wars movies. If you remember when Luke is in the swamp with Yoda, he's got a DL-44 blaster with him there. But when you see this gun, it's forever linked with Han Solo. This is the Han Solo gun. And if you really want to get into the geeky Star Wars canon, Han's actual gun was given to him by Tobias Beckett, and there's a whole backstory about how Han removed the scope so he could draw it faster, but that's all really getting into the the hardcore Star Wars geekdom. When you watch the movies and see this weapon, you're seeing a combination of three things. Some of them were actual, working Mauser C96 firearms. Some of them were firearms that had been altered so they couldn't be fired, and some were just props made out of wood or molded out of rubber or, or cast resin. The first Han Solo pistol was a real gun, it had been used previously in a 1968 Frank Sinatra film called The Naked Runner. It's literally the same pistol, and it's featured prominently. You don't even have to go watch the movie. The gun is literally on the poster, and you may not recognize it because it had the stock extension and a silencer, but that's the exact same gun. To make it into the DL-44 for Star Wars, Bapti and co. added sort of a conical barrel shroud to it and changed it a bit for Han Solo. Many of these additions and modifications came from actual parts from other guns. From then on, it's not exactly sure what Han is carrying throughout the films. He carried a combination of many versions of the DL-44. Some were resin cast props, some were actual converted Mausers. But as the series went on, the movies were successful and there was more money in the budget. The gun definitely gets more elaborate with dials and buttons at that point. Now, it's not known where all the blasters from the film ended up. The third movie of the original trilogy was Return of the Jedi, and after filming wrapped, art director James Shopee was given one of Han's blasters from the film as a memento. In 2018, that resin cast DL-44 was auctioned for $550,000. Now, if you want one and you don't have half a million dollars, you can make your own. If you're lucky enough to get your hands on an original Mauser C-96, You can buy the parts to convert it to the DL-44 Blaster yourself. Seriously, there are instructions online, because of course there are. After all, you never know when you're gonna be cornered by an alien bounty hunter collecting debts for Jabba the Hutt. And, hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend and quiz them. Today, I'm calling Jay Black. Jay is a comedian, author, producer, and screenwriter. Jay Black, welcome back to The Internet Says It's True. I appreciate you taking some time for us this weekend.
1: Absolutely. Anything to avoid my family, Michael. Oh, no. <laughs> <It's what
0: laughs> I, I, we were just talking about how we both had to make Home Depot runs today. Yes. And it's just a madhouse because it's nice outside.
1: Yeah, everybody's out there and wood prices. I never thought I'd be aware of wood prices. Wood prices through the roof.
0: I, yeah, well, thanks to Ben Shapiro, I think. Uh, oh, yeah,
1: no. Everybody saw Ben and was like, I got to go there and buy individual wood in wrapped plastic it, bags.
0: It, it put, put my lumber in a bag, please. Paper right, or exactly. plastic. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's been nuts. I was actually also uh, buying lumber because I've been working on repairing the fence out back. In our backyard, oh. uh, so it's been, it's been a thing. It's been. A I'm thing. buying
1: lumber to build my wife a Mother's Day present.
0: Wow! So like, a, what are you? Are you allowed to say what you're building?
1: I'm building a chair to match the couch I made her last year. You so built doing, a couch? Well, an outdoor couch. Oh, you know? so it's still it's not. If there's no fine woodworking going on here. It's basically just smashing two by fours together until something reasonable comes out of it.
0: Do you go like? Where, do you find plans online to learn how to build a couch?
1: Mm-hmm. You go. Line, I, I have a miter saw. I've got wow. a, a drill, and I've got self-tapping deck screws, and I'm good to go, baby. Nice,
0: fantastic. Uh, yeah. That's great, man. That's ambitious. I I was proud of myself last summer for building shelves in the garage. Uh, oh, that's—I so,
1: mean—that's less fun than building a couch. There's yeah, right. More, you
0: don't get to enjoy it all the time.
1: And well, to any young men listening at home, what I would just say is get into woodworking or anything like that because it is time they leave you alone. <laughs> they go, "Oh, he's out building me something. I can't go yell at him."
0: Yeah, and so, you know what it is for me—it's—it's it's podcast listening time as well.
1: Yeah, well, I you just the, put on headphones yeah, and relax.
0: Yeah, I, I mowed the lawn just before we jumped on this this Zoom call and. That's when I really catch up on podcasts. I can listen to like one full length podcast mowing. I don't have a large lawn, but right. it's enough to, you know, it takes me just about an hour so I can get like a good podcast listen in with no
1: distractions. What, what you learn about all that stuff is like men traditionally do that. I thought not because of any kind of sex differences, just because it's like, oh, no one yells at me when I'm out doing work. So yeah. I'm just going to go do work for as long as I possibly can.
0: yeah. Tell um, me you're married yeah. without telling me you're married. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, for question number one today, uh, yeah. I know that your son Keen loves magic, or at least yes. did when he was younger. And if well, you does not everyone love loves magic. Yeah. If you get this first question right, I will personally teach Keen a magic trick via Zoom. We can nice. schedule that. Right. We'll get it done. If you miss this first question, I'll leave him to learn whatever he wants on YouTube. That could be Stop. some crazy stuff. You can learn anything on YouTube.
1: Yeah, he'll get radicalized. He'll watch seven (laughs) videos and all of a sudden come home and go, Dad, I think I want to join the Ben Shapiro podcast.
0: Yeah, you know our friend Asia, the poet, uh, I was watching. His son is big on, like, loves watching YouTube videos. And he's been watching the, like, torture test iPads to see how strong iPads are. And so Asia came home and found an iPad submerged in a thing of water.
1: Uh, Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, the kid knows how to get views. What can I say? Right. So... This first
0: question is about the show topic, which our listeners already learned, but you don't know yet. I don't uh, know. So yeah. after this first question, we'll get into some questions about stuff that will be new to all of us. Okay. The Mauser C96 handgun was yeah. a gun used by Germans in both world wars, but is more famous for what? Um, now, I can give you multiple choice or you can just go for it.
1: Give me multiple choice because okay. I'm pretty sure I know this, but okay. I want to want to hear the multiple choices to see if my choice is correct.
0: A, it was the gun that the Star Trek phaser was based on. Mm-hmm. B, it was the gun that was the basis for Han Solo's blaster in Star Wars. Okay. Or C, it was the gun that Elvis Presley famously carried everywhere he went. B. B, no hesitation?
1: No hesitation.
0: You are correct. It is B. And, uh, now are you big, you're a big,
1: big, Star Wars guy? Uh, so does this face look like it got a lot of action in high school?
0: <laughs> Star Wars action. Yes.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I had uh, princess Leia in her gold bikini in my dreams, but otherwise that was it.
0: That's, that's pretty great. Well, you and I are, I think close to the same age. We grew yeah. up with Star Wars and that was sort of like our life when we were little. So yeah. it's understandable, which means, uh, I will teach Keen a magic trick. You let me know when. Anytime I will teach him a magic trick via zoom and uh, we will not end the call until I know that he knows how to do it. So he can go perform it for his kids at school. 100%. I love that.
1: It'll be the only non-pornographic thing that he does on the internet.
0: (laughs) How is, how old is Keen now? 13. Oh, that's the age. That is the, I don't know
1: for certain. I'm just going by biology.
0: What is that? Um, Eighth grade?
1: Well, seventh grade for him, but Okay. Seventh grade. uh,
0: Wow. Yeah. That's the age, man. mm -hmm. Uh, Question two. Quick backstory on this next question. A few weeks ago, one of the questions on this quiz forced me to repair the fence in the backyard. And I did that. Yeah. But there's this one section with, uh, I'm not happy with my handiwork. It looks awful. It's, right. I didn't take the time to space it correctly. The boards are crooked. Um, it looks like meth teeth. It's bad. If <laughs> you get this one right, I will go out there and redo that section as soon as we're done. Okay, great. Willrow Hood is a character that appeared on screen for one second in The Empire Strikes Back, but created a weird cult following. He appears carrying an item when Cloud City is invaded by the Empire. Since then, toys have been made of this this. character. I know this right now. I know what it is. (laughs) Oh, this is amazing. Since then, toys have been made of this character, included with the item as an accessory. Mm -hmm. He's a popular subject of cosplay. People dress up like him. and He's often referred to by the item. I'm not even going to give you... Uh, multiple choice.
1: This was the ice cream maker, right?
0: This is the ice cream maker. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. This is the ice cream maker, and yeah. uh, you got it right, my friend.
1: Every time I answer one of these questions quickly, you get a little bit more insight into what high school was like. Right? <laughs> like it's like you're you're now you're at the point where it's like I I know he didn't go to prom, but did he go to any dances? I mean, that's where we're at right now.
0: I called the right person for this week. This is amazing. Now, uh, Will Hood is often referred to as the ice cream maker guy. The prop mm-hmm. he's carrying looks a lot like a 70s ice cream maker, but it's actually something called a, oh, see if you know this one. Do you know the, the correct name of what the device is? This is deep oh, weeds. No, stuff. no, no, no. It's a Cam this. Tono, which is a kind of safe. And it was brought back by John Favreau in an episode of The Mandalorian. Really? To hold Beskar. So oh my he he honored the the sort of cult following about the ice cream maker and brought it back. I think it's the first episode of The Mandalorian, but I'm not quite sure about that.
1: Did you did you ever see Can't Buy Me Love with uh Patrick Dempsey? Is that the African Anteater dance? The African anteater dance. Yeah, yes. that's what I was yes. about to bring up. Yeah. I feel like all of these little Easter eggs is for the African anteater dance people, so that when you see them you can go, oh African yes. Anteater Dance. Yes. Or, Right.
0: whatever <laughs> it, it is yeah it's a nod and a wink uh and and rewarding loyalty of nerds which is fantastic yeah. we we love exactly. it uh so what was our uh well, so i have to go fix, you gotta fix, go fix the, the, fence, the fence man now, buddy yeah it's already fixed it's just fixed badly so yeah. i will go out there and undo all the boards redo them in a in a way that is straight and looks like it has had uh, orthodontics for fences I like that. Question three. If you get this one right, I will give you a coveted tell me what to Google sticker. I was probably supposed to mail you one of these from last time you were on.
1: You just said two.
0: Yeah. Well, as most listeners know, these are the stickers I had made for the previous title of the show. Change Mm -hmm. the name of the podcast. have 200 of these. Right. So in this episode, we referred to the bounty hunter Greedo. Mm -hmm. In The Empire Strikes Back, we meet a few more bounty hunters, and one of them looks like a giant green-skinned lizard wearing a spacesuit. okay his name is Bosk, Bosk. and he's a Trandoshan
1: mm-hmm.
0: true or false the flight suit that Bosk wears in the film came directly from an episode of Doctor Who
1: let me say false
0: this one was true oh. it's amazing now The iteration of Doctor Who was called The Tenth Planet, which aired in 1966. So this is a decade before. And it's not known whether it's the actual literal costume from that episode or they studied that costume and put it in as sort of an Easter egg, just like what we were just talking about, where it's like a nod and a wink to the Doctor Who fans who are now watching Star Wars. But it's designed exactly the same. If you look at the two side by side, every little detail is there, every clasp on the uniform, every button. And it's being worn by this green lizard guy, Bosk. So pretty interesting that's, stuff.
1: That's insane. And I, I will say this. For all of my nerddom, I've never been a hoovian. I haven't either. Yeah. And it, I, like, back in my day, in olden times, if you were into British stuff, like, I love Monty Python. You know what I hate? People who like Monty Python. <laughs> right? So it's like, you would always there'd always be like, because I, I ran in nerd circles, but even among the nerds. There'd be like people who just like quoted the Knights say Knee, and I just wanted to elbow them till they stopped. So the Doctor Who kind of falls under that category.
0: I had a friend in high school who knew by heart the credits of uh, Holy Grail. But yeah, I I was never a Whovian as well, but I I can see the intrigue. I I understand it because like right now I'm doing Star Trek and I never watched Star Trek as a kid. I'm watching it for the first time. I, the original or Next Generation? I, I finished the original series last summer, and now I'm on The Next Generation. Which uh, season? Season generation? two of The Next Generation.
1: The writer Strike season. Is that right? Yeah, so that season, there was a Writer's Strike. So, like, if it seems a little weird, some of the episodes... They're or...
0: weird, but some of the episodes are absolutely fantastic.
1: That was the measure of a man...
0: that that was the one i was about to mention like i almost cried (laughs) with
1: uh with commander data
0: date yeah where where they are and and it has a a slavery subplot uh Mm -hmm. like the undertones of of slavery and uh it's and you know captain picard goes and talks with Whoopi goldberg in the bar saying like what do i do about this and she gives him this idea that uh you know, if if Commander Data isn't in charge of his own autonomy, then we're basically approving the the concept of slavery for robots. Yeah. So or for androids, I should say. Yeah, really, really interesting stuff. Some of the listeners right now are like, Oh my God, this show well, is gone. This podcast is gone. Complete nerd.
1: No, it's important because if you let robots be slaves, then you got a matrix on your hands. Yeah. It's it's a one two punch. Robot yeah. slaves, matrix. It happens every time.
0: Yeah. I would never think that I'd agree with a slippery slope, slippery slope argument like that. But uh, I am all for Android autonomy. Yeah. So
1: 100 percent. I don't want to be matrixed.
0: <laughs> we could be right now and not know it.
1: I hope so. The, the moral gotcha. of
0: the story, Jay, is that I still don't have to send you any stickers, but I will. Th- I'm happy to. But, uh, you know, I got to go to the post office as a whole thing. Yeah. not don't worry. So about it. question four, if you get it wrong. You have to work in. I, I, I'm so happy about this. I'm so I'm proud of myself for remembering this from the last thing. And I'm I really want you to get this one wrong mm. for this question. If you get it wrong, you have to work in a phrase of my choice in your next screenplay. This is oh, huge geez. for me. Wow, this is high stakes. It is high stakes. And yes. normally I've been saying to people on this, like in your next podcast or in your next yeah. virtual show or whatever. But I know that you've been writing films.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you yeah, get okay. it right,
0: I have to work in the same phrase. If, if you get it right, I have to work in the same phrase. So okay. it's fair either way. The stakes are much higher here. on your end because a screen screenplay, like, you know, that could be watched by many, many people. It'll just be in my podcast, which isn't listened to by that many people. The phrase is this. Here's the phrase. There's always time for apple pie. Okay. All right. So if you get this wrong, your next screenplay has to have the words, there's always time for apple pie in there somewhere.
1: I'm going to be honest. As a writer of Hallmark movies, this won't be too difficult.
0: This is exactly what I... My, why, why I came up with a phrase. I, I knew that you're writing Hallmark movies. I tried to think of something that you could easily get in there. Yeah. And that I could easily share with our listeners when it happens, when and if it happens. Nice. Uh, so, you know, I really, I really hope this happens. Okay. So I made this the hardest question of all of these. Let's go. Which one of these was the original title of Star Wars Episode 4 A New Hope? Now, can high school J answer this already without the multiple choice?
1: Uh well, I, I believe that there's going to be a star killer in there, but I want to hear the multiple choice before I okay, first commit.
0: Here are three options. A. Space Alien Revenge. B. Adventures of the Star Killer, as taken from the Journal of the Wills. That one, B. No you
1: hesitation. don't even
0: need to hear C, which is a star rebellion tale Skywalker's legacy.
1: No, C. It's B. It's B. Star Adventures
0: Killer. of the Starkiller as taken from the Journal of the Wills. hmm I am really bummed that I will not get my There's Always Time for Apple Pie in <laughs> a Hallmark movie but I will be saying it in my next podcast because you are correct. An early draft of George Lucas's script was entitled Adventures of the Starkiller as Taken from the Journal of the Wills, Saga 1, The Star Wars.
1: I'm going to tell you right now, not only did I mean, we're we're at the version of like, not only did Jay not go to any dances, it's possible he never spoke to a girl. <laughs> uh, I read a book about Star Wars that compared each draft of the original screenplay. Oh, my to God. See- what Lucas intended for later sequels and what he didn't intend for later sequels. Oh. So it's basically a Zupruder film for the drafts of Star Wars. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah,
0: you so. at this point you're drawing pictures of yourself on your high school notebooks with Star Killer underneath.
1: Yeah, it's Steve <laughs> Black Star <Starkiller. laughs>
0: This is—I could not have picked a better person for this week. I'm so happy right now.
1: <laughs> you could say, subconsciously you knew who's the biggest dork. That I, I'm in I, regular contact with.
0: I didn't. I haven't talked to you in a while. I just wanted to have you back on the show.
1: Real fast. Uh, at my wedding, every table was named after a Star Wars planet.
0: Oh, my and God. I did not know this. This, this is amazing. I tell a
1: joke in my act. It's not a joke. It's a story. Where I say, uh, you know, my wife said, you can do that if you could name them all 10 off the top of your head. And my answer was. A <laughs> mistake. Uh, do, do you want them alphabetically? <laughs> and then uh, later on. When the kids get to do the q and I know at least one of them is going to stand up and say, can you do them alphabetically? And then I say, oh, no, I couldn't possibly. Then I, I rattle them off uh, to the sound of many girls saying, you know what? I don't know if I need a boy in my life ever <laughs> as I destroy the opposite sex for them.
0: I, I know that it's Sunday, but can I make you perform? Can you do those 10?
1: Uh, let, me, let me see if I can do it. Off I'd the top be, of my head.
0: I think we'd be content with five.
1: Uh, Oh, uh, sure. Well, five. Uh, Bespin, Coruscant, Dantooine, Endor. uh, Let's say Ithor. That's where the headhunter people come from. Um, Let's go Mustafar, Naboo, um, and we'll go um, uh, Tatooine to close it out.
0: And for those of you paying attention, Jay did not start with Alderaan because it no longer exists.
1: That's right. Hey, you know what? Justice for Alderaan. J-F-A.
0: That's what I say. That's what my, my bracelet says. Um, <laughs> I'm printing bracelets that say that. Oh, man. This one's for all the marbles. This is our okay. final question. If you get this wrong, I'm banning you from the show. Never to be asked on again.
1: It's entirely uh, good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what is something for which you are grateful?
1: Huh, let's see. Okay, here's one that I got invited on a podcast that just so happened to be Star Wars Trivia. Uh, which is, you know, better than if i come on and you're like, hey, you know, we're going to do 18th century ballet. I'd be like, you know what, Mike, I'm out.
0: I, well, <laughs> I did not know either way. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would be so happy if you knew 18th century ballet, but I am eternally grateful for that you know this, the Star Wars trivia as well. And I'm grateful that High School Jay, with this knowledge, was able to find love. Yeah,
1: I oftentimes, I, real, real quick, 25th high school reunion. I get a call from the person who's organizing it and they say "Uh, Jay We're not getting anybody to like sign up for the 25th reunion. Would you mind doing a set? So that we could maybe get more people to come and I said I'm unavailable I got a gig that weekend. I can't do it But just so that you I can get this straight Are you saying that more people might come to a high school party because I'm there (laughs) and they were like i guess technically and i was like if you could just say that again i hope it reverberates back through time so that 15 year old me can hear it and maybe be at peace
0: that's so good so good well before you go i want to share with you something um and our listeners won't get to see this but i will post it on my instagram Uh, a few years ago disney did did this um they allowed you to get a 3d scan of yourself whoa this is me that's my face frozen in carbonite.
1: Oh my God.
0: Uh, so they would do a 3d scan of your face and you know, they, you get several options. I chose the one where I'm, where I'm really wincing and hurting from the carbonite because it's cold. And, uh, and yeah, and then they, you get this this whole thing. I'm sure I paid a lot of money for it, but it's yeah. so it's so worth it. I thought you'd get a kick out of that.
1: I'm, wait, uh, listen, you should have paid back Java, or else you would have been let out of that carbonite by now. We, well, you won't, you,
0: it's something that you got to experience at least once in your life.
1: Anybody that dumps their spice at the first sign of imperial cruisers. Not good for smuggling.
0: Well, listen, I am still here, and all that's left of Jabba is like an eyeball. The rest of him completely, you know, rubber doesn't handle well over time. So,
1: Rest in pieces, Jabba.
0: Yeah, take that. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much, Jay, for coming on this podcast again and taking time out of your Sunday to join me here. Please follow Jay on Twitter. His Twitter name is Jay Black is funny. J-A-Y-B-L-A-C-K is funny. And his tweets make me laugh on a daily basis. (laughs) Thank you again, sir. It's great to see you.
1: Thank you, buddy. Thanks for
0: having me. That's all for this week. Thanks to Josh for the show topic and to Jay Black for being a guest. Go hit the Patreon if you want to see the video unedited of the guest quiz or to hear bonus episodes. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from my show, please go over to iTunes, leave a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You got to do it. That helps me a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the internet says it's true. The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions put them at producer status. Sean Brown, Katherine Morgan, Taylor Hurt, Tony Ford, Bryce Swanson, Mitch Joseph Kimmel, Andrew Joseph and Alan Ciculloch, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Aaron Kinney. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary, and used under Fair Use Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Kent.